What is going on, everybody? You are listening to Sports Daycare, where we take care of all of your sports needs. Uh, we're back at it again after week two, kind of recapping what happened last week and talking about you know what we think is going to happen for week three. Um, obviously, Chiefs focused as normal, but you know that's our favorite team, so why shouldn't we be? And um, even though I may sound upbeat as I'm sitting here with Mr. Zach, say hey, hi to everyone, Zach. Hi! Even though I may sound upbeat right now, I was not whatsoever this Sunday night. And I think that's kind of something that all Chiefs fans can relate to, but... I don't think I've ever seen anyone as angry as Zach was after the game. It, it wasn't really even, it was more so on Monday that Zach was angry. And it wasn't as much about the outcome as the game, of the game, because, I mean, they are going to lose at some point. But Zach was more mad about, um, you know, the narratives from the game and what other people thought. Uh, can you explain your thoughts, Zach? So... As a Chiefs fan, obviously you're upset that we lost. I don't handle losses very well. I can say that about myself. I don't handle them well. But it's frustrating losing one point to the Baltimore Ravens, a team that is a contender in the AFC, a team that everyone now thinks can overthrow the Kansas City Chiefs. It's frustrating the aspect of now they're on the map of oh, Lamar Jackson is the best player of all time. Lamar Jackson's the king of the league. Lamar Jackson, as uh, Colin Cowherd said on a tweet on Monday or Sunday night, I, I don't remember which one, but one of the two, he said Lamar Jackson's now the king of the league. That is what's more frustrating than the loss. Chiefs were going to lose. We're not going to go perfect this season, unfortunately. That was a expectation that I came in and going into the league that we were not or the season that we were not going to go undefeated, which would have been really cool if we did first team ever, but we're not going to. Uh, every Chiefs fan saying that was Clyde's fault is unintelligent in my opinion. It wasn't Clyde's fault. Yes, he fumbled, but our defense also let Lamar just gash us and gash us, and and they like they don't have not through the air. Not through no, the air running. either. I mean, 16 carries for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Like, that is ridiculous. Like, their running backs are so depleted. Devontae Freeman, washed. Latavius Murray, uh, and then Tyson Williams. Not washed, like, but, you know, he's like 30 years old as a running exactly. back. And Tyson Williams, like, he's young, and he doesn't look terrible. But at the same time, like... It's just frustrating, and I think that now, throughout now the like throughout throughout the whole year, we knew as Chiefs fans we're gonna get every team's best shot. And the only good takeaway coming from this game was we still have Patrick Mahomes. No one got hurt. No one has a season end, season ending injury. We lost to the Ravens by one point when we could have kicked a field goal and won that game. And that was the Ravens' best shot. That was the Ravens' A-plus game. They played a perfect game, kind of, without Lamar's two picks. And I think, as a Chiefs fan, you got to sit back and kind of worry a little bit. Not saying the defense is, it's the defense's fault, because it's obviously not. The Baltimore Ravens are a really good team. Lamar Jackson's one of a kind. He's the only quarterback in the league that can run like he can. But I think we do need to take a pause on this defense and take a real good look at it and be like, is this this defense from 2018 that has signs of it? Not saying it is. We have so much more talent than that team. We have a better coach than that team. Everyone's saying we should fire Spags is not smart. Spags is not the problem. Uh, I uh, it's just frustrating that now people believe that the Ravens are close to us because they are absolutely not close to us. Although they won, they are not close to us. Casey, what did you feel? So after the game, I was super upset 
And even right after the game, up until now, like, honestly, my thoughts on my optimism for the team are completely unchanged. Not a single bit. And the reason is that, like, coming out of that game, even though we lost and it went down as a loss, like, we should have won the game. And I know people say that a lot of the time, but, like, we were driving it on them to kick that game-winning field goal. We were in field goal range when Clyde fumbled. And even after that, stopped them on three plays, and they went for it on that fourth and one, and they got it, of course, and sealed the game. But if they didn't, and even if they would have punted it back to us, is there any thought, like, from anyone that we wouldn't have just done it again. I mean, the drive before when the drive that Clyde fumbled it, we went like 40 yards in two plays, like right on. The Ravens' defense is not good, and it's just like, yeah, we got completely dominated, dominated on the ground, but I don't think it's as much our defense being bad as it is, first of all, the Ravens having a good game plan, number one, and, you know, number two, us probably not having the best game plan going into it. By that, I mean the Ravens knew that we were going to go heavy on the defensive line and having Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, Derek Nottie, and Chris Jones on our defensive line to try and stop the run, and... Because of that, they said, well, Chris Jones is that the best player on that defensive line. He's playing defensive end. You know, let's make him the read guy in options, basically take him out of the play. And that is why they were able to run all over us. I mean, if you really think about it, just looking at the game, how many times outside of that one Devontae Freeman run in the first quarter, how many times do you remember them, you know, gashing us? to the outside, not really at all, like, outside of Lamar Jackson, like, from their running backs, and we don't even really, I don't even really remember their running backs beating us at all. I think it was a smart game plan by them to use Chris Jones as the read guy to take him out of the play, number one, and I think it was poor by our coaching staff, honestly. Spag shouldn't be fired anyway. He's the best defense coordinator we've had in so long. But I think it was poor coaching in the fact that if you watch on all of those plays, whoever the read guy was, it wasn't Chris Jones every single play, but on those read options, all of our defensive ends would play the running back. And, you know, for those of you that may not know, on read option plays, they read the defensive end, they don't block him, and the defensive end can either go for the running back or go for the quarterback. And they basically read off of that. And every single time, our defensive ends would try to go for the running back, which is fine, which is totally fine most of the time. But when you're playing against Lamar Jackson, you read the quarterback and you try and stop the quarterback. He can hand it off to his running backs all he wants. Because like you mentioned earlier, who are their their running backs? Tyson Williams. Four-string running back, might not have even made the team without injury. Latavius Murray got cut by his, now what, fourth team, 30-year-old running back. Devontae Freeman, who's completely and totally washed. Like, why would we play the running backs to try to stop the running backs from gaining yards on us instead of Lamar Jackson? So, I think after that game, the coaching staff will realize that's what they did wrong and should we ever play them again, or similar, you know, zone option teams? There really aren't that many. Um, the Titans do it a little bit. The Cardinals, of course, Philly teams like that. I think they will make the necessary adjustments, and that everything will be fine. And I mean, that's why I think we got gashed so much in the first game or in the second game. But and I would I would say we shouldn't re-overreact, overreact to week one how bad our rush defense was then either because 
we didn't have Frank Clark, we didn't have Tyron Matthew. And while Frank Clark was pretty quiet, he had that one tackle for loss, um, Tyron Matthew was obviously huge. And, you know, maybe one of my biggest takeaways is we need to pay the man. Oh, yeah, 100%. I said that after week one, too. Um, But I'm going to eat my words here a little bit. I've always said, although I think Frank Clark is getting overpaid, I think Frank Clark is important to this team. I saw someone tweet um, earlier today that said, "Why uh, we're paying Frank Clark so much? He's only we're, why are we paying for three plays and he won us the Super Bowl? Like taking that away, what has he done for us? Nine sacks or something like that in seventeen games or something like that." And what I say to that is Frank Clark's presence. Although he's not putting up the sack numbers like we wanted and how much he's getting paid, it is frustrating in that aspect of things. But if we don't have Frank Clark on the team, I, I, obviously the options are endless. We you know, could have drafted someone, all that. But Frank Clark is so important just for the attitude of the team and the attitude of that defense. He's a, he's a leader among that defensive line and, you know, I think it's important for him to be on this team because like he's a monster when he, like when he gets playing and he's healthy, fully healthy and is not dealing with a stomach problem like he's been dealing with the last two years, not getting hurt. Like if he's healthy, he arguably a top something like top 10 pass rusher when he was healthy in Seattle. Like he's still decently youngish he's not old he's reaching the middle of his career in my opinion like i'm gonna eat my words and say we gotta give frank clark a little bit longer just because i obviously if he doesn't do anything the rest of the year then yeah we gotta cut him but if he shows potential we gotta keep him because he is important to that defense the browns game is the first example of that the Ravens game was an example of that but the only unfortunate problem only unfortunate thing that happened was you were playing Lamar Jackson, so Frank Clark's going to have some trouble playing Lamar Jackson like everyone does in the league. This is the first time that Patrick Mahomes couldn't lead his team to a, a, a winning score just because, I mean, Clyde fumbled. Patrick had a really bad uh, interception, which is his first one in September. And, you know, it's frustrating because the Chiefs the past five years have been perfect, you know, perfect in September. We've been... Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost to Lamar and Josh Allen and all these young quarterbacks, which are so cool because all these stats were just so much fun. And as a Chiefs fan, it was just so unheard of. And it's so much fun. But it has to end eventually. And it just happened to end this year. And people that, like, sports books still have us as the, you know, number one option to win the Super Bowl this year. Betting odds are on us. Like anybody overreacting, thinking the Chiefs can't make the Super Bowl or won't be in the Super Bowl, is just ridiculous. It's one game out of 17 games. We'll come out this week. We'll absolutely obliterate the Chargers. I know I said we'll obliterate the Ravens, but I think, honestly, part of it, too, I think, was our, our attitude going in. Not saying we didn't have a good attitude, but I feel like, you know, the Chiefs were like, oh, we'll rebound. You know, we have Patrick. We'll just rebound. Oh, we got it. We got it. We got it. And then a fumble happens, which hasn't really happened to the Chiefs a lot throughout this run of beating the Ravens and all that. Like, all these turnovers haven't really happened. So we finally turned the ball over. We finally made a mistake. And, you know, it happened. And to tweet, uh, Tyron Matthew tweeted something the other day that I kind of, I don't know, it's kind of cool just to see, like, as, as sports fans, you always want to see your organization succeed. And the most important part of having an organization succeed is having a culture like, you know, like the Patriots have for so long. Just do your job. And you can tell the Chiefs organization just has a good culture because some idiot tweeted how we need to fire Spags and Spags doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, we get bullied for three and a half quarters and allow 29 points. And then we get destroyed by uh, the Ravens run game. And then Tyron Matthew tweeted, don't let that don't. Don't do that to the man. He can take the field. His shit work. Hold me accountable. I can handle it. That's a good man and a damn good coach. And that just speaks volumes to the Chiefs organization, in my opinion. 
just because when your players are backing your coaches and your coaches are going to back the players, like the sky's a limit for how good your organization is and how many good guys you can get. Or even like guys like Josh Gordon, for example. Hypothetically, if he did come to the Chiefs, I think he would turn it around. He'd see the culture that Andrew Reid and uh, Brett Veach and Clark Hunt have made for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then you see players like him probably flourish in these kind of systems. Except for uh, Le'Veon Bell, who's just an idiot and talks crap about how he didn't get playing time because he's not good anymore. That's not an example of him. But I think as Chiefs fans, you got to take the good with the bad and just live in the moment. And yeah, we lost. But realize that every single game that another another team plays for the Chiefs, it's their Super Bowl. They won't get to a Super Bowl. No offense to the Ravens, but they're not getting to a Super Bowl. They're not getting a Super Bowl this year. There's so many high-powered teams in the AFC rather other than them. I think the Bills have a better shot of making a Super Bowl than they do. But as Chiefs fans, you got to enjoy it. Like each week's a Super Bowl for a team. Example for last year when the Raiders beat us and at home. The Raiders took a victory lap because they're so excited to beat the Chiefs. That's how it is. The Chiefs are so good, and it was just very unfortunate that we lost that game. And a couple other things, like reason why I'm not super you know, down on the team is there were a lot of big plays that the Chiefs made and it reminded me of the Super Bowl so much where they got wiped out by penalty. There was a sack on third down. I don't remember who it was, um, but we had a sack on a third down, but, oh, holding on the defense or illegal contact by the defense or, you know, just really crucial penalties, too, that kind of helped them have drives. We had that one drive where Creed snapped over Patty's head, and all of a sudden it was second and 25 right off the bat and couldn't do anything, so that stalled out. And it's just like, at the end of the day, there were a lot of things that went wrong for the Chiefs. The Patty interception was pretty bad, and that too. There were a lot of things that didn't go well for the Chiefs, and we still would have won that game just because we were that much better than the Ravens. Um, another, which reminds me, you know, another th- reason to be optimistic is, like we kind of talked about it last week, that they would probably try to take away a, um, Travis or Tyreek. And they they took away Tyreek. They doubled him the entire game. And yeah, Travis still ate, but okay, take away Tyreek Hill, and then look what happens. Byron Pringle. Huge game to Marks Robinson. Great touchdown catch. And it's just like, Michael Hartman was solid too. But even if you try to take away a Tyree Killer, Travis Kelsey, we have still so many people that can beat you on offense. And it's just like, I look at this team after that game, and I it's not like we're worse than the Ravens. We had an unfortunate thing at the end of the game that really sealed it for him in the Clyde fumble. Like, the Chiefs are still a better team. Like, they are. So, so I'm not I'm not super worried. Well, the thing about it, too, is, like, McColl, like, although, although Byron Pringle is kind of showing more this year than McColl has, like, in two games, I think McColl will have a time to flourish. I, I think in that game, too, they like, the Ravens do – like, their defense coordinator for the Ravens is good. Like, he's not a bad defensive coordinator. So, like, they're taking away Tyreek, they're taking away Travis. McCool's just kind of a deep ball guy, where he almost had a deep ball, but Patty overthrew him. And That's uh, right, on the left side. Yeah, and McCool, like, McCool does that to teams. And I think that's what McCool's role is for this Chiefs team. So he might not put a lot of numbers up, but he's important in that, in that aspect of things. He's a deep ball guy. He's a deep ball guy when Tyreek's not the deep ball guy. When Tyreek's running the short little slants or the, the you know the crosses, he's going up the field. And I mean, the, the safety has to go with the corner on that side of the ball. If you're going on the left side, McCool's on that left side. The safety has to go over there. I mean, or if not, then McCool, I'm gonna I'm gonna guarantee can outrun that corner. And like, then that's why like I don't know. I I I think that's what's gonna happen though this year is McColl's not going to put up numbers, and me, as an idiot, is going to be like, oh, we should, McColl's not good. He didn't put up numbers. But 
he's like his role on the team is more important than what the numbers he puts up, and that's why like this Chiefs seems so special because mm. you don't know who's going to pop off each and every year. Like, like uh, I saw uh, last year when we lost to the Raiders, we played Buffalo the next week, and uh, Clyde had 13 carries before in the Raiders game, and then the next game went off against the Bills. So it's going to be very interesting to see what he does to this Chargers game because he didn't really have he only had 13 carries last week as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what's he like, you know, is Andy going to run the ball more and then is Clyde going to have a big game, which I think would be important for Clyde to show some confidence and be like, "Hey, you know, you can do this. Don't worry about that. No well, one cares." You 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 saw what Andy did in the AFC Championship last year after Miko fumbled that punt. I think that's one of the reasons why Andy's such a great coach is he's like, okay, you muffed that punt. They scored a touchdown off of it. Now it didn't lose the game like Clyde's did. But the very next drive, they, the very first play of the next drive was a screen to Meikle, you know, pick up a few yards, kind of like build their confidence back. And at the very end of the drive, we cooked up another play that was designed for Meikle and he scored a touchdown. So, I mean, yeah, definitely could make sense that, that he would do that. But there's there's one other thing, and I know you're not going to like this this topic, but I think we can't not talk about Lamar Jackson and where he stands among the quarterbacks in the league. Now, this isn't an overreaction from week two, but I think he definitely deserves to be a top eight quarterback. I mean... Okay, I'll agree he's a top eight, not top five, not top five. I mean, okay, let me just off the top of my head. Patrick Mahomes, clearly the best. Russell Wilson, certainly top five. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, definitely top five. Um, Kyler Murray, I think top five. Probably top five. Um, Not necessarily consistent enough, but, you know, definitely top five. And then you get into Tom Brady. Tom Brady still deserves to be in the top five. Yes, absolutely. But like, I think he he Lamar Jackson's hovering around there. And I mean, if you look at it like from as a thrower of the football, Lamar Jackson average. He's average. Oh, very average. Very but average. if you look at it as not where he ranks as a thrower of the football and where he ranks as a player. If you were to rank all the quarterbacks and how good of a football player they are, I think Lamar Jackson among the quarterbacks is certainly, you know, in the top five. Well, if you go and, like that, then Josh Allen's probably up there then too. I don't know about that one. I I, I still don't have faith in Josh Allen, but through two games, he has not looked great. And no, yes, it's but, only two uh, games, but I I'm not yeah. a believer in Josh Allen still. I mean, Lamar Jackson is a better runner. Josh Allen is still not a great thrower of football. He's good. But He's like, a better than Lamar. I don't know. Lamar Jackson is more of a winner than Josh Allen has been. He has had better offenses than Josh Allen has. Like I just I think people look at the quarterback position and use it too much as how good they throw the football, and that sounds really stupid as I say it, but like, as a quarterback, your main job is to be the leader of an offense. Lamar Jackson's been the leader of an offense the last three years that has been, you know, a very, very good offense. Like, yeah, like, although Mike Vick was a running quarterback, Lamar has changed the league tremendously. Absolutely. 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 I don't know. It's it's a topic that will uh, – it's, it's hard to judge Lamar, to be honest. It's kind of like Dak. I feel like, for me, Lamar and Dak are kind of similar, not as players at all, but as are they really that good or are they like, – like, I don't know. He, like, he does things sometimes where I scratch my head like, what is going on right now? You're not good. But then he does things where I'm like – Holy cow, you're really good. It's weird. Like Lamar and Dak are kind of the same kind of you can't really judge them cuz some games are like like okay, yeah, you're you live up to the potential and then some games you're like you're a bottom feed quarterback. Like you were terrible. What was that? Uh, I mean 
That's absolutely true. Another one, you know, uh, Justin Herbert, who the Chiefs happen to be playing this Sunday. Um, yours truly will be in attendance. Yeah, I, I will be at the game. Um, and so sports daycare will be represented. And, um, you know, if I'm being honest, a lot of people, and I feel like it happens every single year, everyone before the season hypes up the Chargers so much every single year. And I've never got it. They've, when was the last time the Chargers have done anything, like, legitimately? Oh, gosh. And I think this year is no different. The Chargers, through two weeks, they look eh to me, honestly. Yeah, I don't know. They're a hard team to judge, to be honest. Because you kind of want to say they're the Chargers of old, where they they look good-ish at the beginning of the year, but they lose games. And towards the end of the year, they look really good. That's just what the Chargers have always been. That was with Anthony Lynn, so I really don't know how this is going to be. Uh, I, I don't know. I can see... I'm I'm gonna say it's a blowout just because I'm gonna have all the confidence in the world in Chiefs. It's at, it's at home and like after that loss, like you know, people are saying stuff and Chiefs usually come back and just shut people up and be like, okay, never mind. But teams coming off a Chargers, loss, I always feel like are really really good, especially one like a heartbreaking one like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think to the Chargers' credit, they are better than this year than they are last year, just because they do have Doran James back. Keenan Allen's healthy. Mike Williams is healthy. Austin Eckler's healthy. Their offensive line is good-ish. Like, it's better than it was. They have good center. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to say it's a blowout, but I, I, I wouldn't be sh- absolutely shocked that if it's a close game. The Chargers always play as close. Everyone in the division always plays close. That's just how it is. But We always beat them, but it's always close. Yeah, but... Um. I, I'm going to say it's a blowout. I'm going to say the score is going to be 35-14. Can't see Chiefs. That big of a blowout? I think so. I think... I just think, I think Chris is going to have a big game because they don't have a really good run game, so we actually get to see Chris Jones off the edge for the first time in a non-running team, really. Like, they have good... Like, Austin Eckler's not bad, but he's not Nick Chubb, Lamar Jackson. Like, he's, he's not in that type of category of running. So I think this will be the first time you get you actually get to watch Chris Jones on the edge pass rush for the first time. And when that happens, you're going to have to double-team Chris Jones, which is going to be interesting to see what happens with Frank Clark, since Frank Clark's going to have a one-on-one matchup more than likely. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that plays out, because I can see Frank Clark having a big game when Chris is having a big game as well. So it's going to be interesting. I think our, def- I think our defense is going to put out and kind of shut everybody up and be like, okay, Never mind. It's not you know. Shut me up and say this is not the 2018 Chiefs defense. For me, it's just like, what does what do people see with the Chargers that makes them think that like they'll be that good? I mean, just going into the season, everyone was talking about right. Everyone was talking about Justin Herbert. You know, he's really good in his first year and. You know, it's the second year for quarterbacks. They make these big jumps, you know, like Patty and Lamar that won the MVP in their second year. Um, Carson Wentz, it was either his second or third, I don't remember. But through two games, they've scored 20 points and 14 points. And the 14-point outing was against the Cowboys. Like, their offense hasn't been that good this year. Their defense has been solid, but... There's no defense that can contain the Chiefs whatsoever. The Browns even had a solid defense, and we still put up nearly 40 points on them. So, like, and of course, you know, the Chargers could maybe get rolling. I I just don't see much to like about that team. Like, yeah, they have Derwin James, who's a complete and total stud. Absolutely. Hypothetically. Let's just say Derwin James completely, you know, takes Travis Kelsey out of the game. That I don't think will happen, but who knows? Maybe it could. Who's going to cover? I think and who's going to cover Tyreek? <laughs> exactly. They don't have good corners. They don't have good linebackers. They don't really have good anything. They have Joey Bosa, who's a total stud too, and who knows? He might tear apart Lucas Nyang. But 
they have Joey Bosa and they have Derwin James, and that's about it on defense. Everyone else is just dudes, and their offense hasn't been impressive so far. Like I, I don't see any way the Chiefs don't win this game, and I do, I do expect a pretty solid game from Austin Eckler, honestly, because I mean he's just you know a dump down you know guy. And I don't think Anthony Hitchens or Nick Bolton have the coverage ability to hey, keep hey, up hey, with hey. an Austin Eckler. Put some respect on Nicholas's name. Put some respect. Nick Bolton's for been Mr. great. Nicholas. Nick Bolton has been great through two weeks against running teams. He's always been good against the run. His knock and the reason why he was picking the second round is because people didn't think that he had the past, you know, coverage abilities. So maybe we'll see. Maybe he'll he'll shut me up and he'll, you know, hold Austin Eckler to, you know, not very much. But that said, I just, I don't know if I'd go 35-14. I'd maybe go like, I think 35 is probably about right, but I'd probably give him a little more credit than you are. Maybe like a 35-20, to 20, um, 35-24 to, you know, 24 or something like that. Um, either way, I'm definitely hammering the the Chiefs at six and a half point favorites. They oh, they they absolutely have a touchdown on the Chargers, absolutely. But All right. so, I I don't think it'll be a blowout, but it'll be a win. All right, Casey. Yes, that's for Mr. Trey Smith. All claps for Trey Smith this week. Good land. That dude. How did, how did we earlier. forget? Oh, my God. How did that we forget to talk about Trey Smith? Oh, he's a monster. Good land. That dude's a monster. Like, just oh. watching his highlights from the first two games, it, it's it's making me hungry seeing all the pancakes oh that my goodness. that you, dude racks up. If you don't know who Trey Smith is listening, Trace, Mr. Trey Smith, sorry, I'm going to give some respect to Mr. Trey Smith. Mr. Trey Smith is our right guard. And if you want to watch some great offensive line play, just turn on some film for Trey Smith. Oh, my God. He's just mauling people left and right, one arm, just destroying people. Like, he is the steal of the draft this year. He is becoming one of my favorite players just because – He's just quiet. He just does his business, and he's really good at it. And it's just crazy to watch. People coming into the season always, like, of course, naturally would talk about the Orlando Orlando Brown acquisition, Joe Tooney signing, and Creed Humphrey is obviously a second round pick. Lucas Nyan coming back, but I I don't think it's that much of you know that blasphemous, that insane to say that I think Trey Smith has been our best offensive lineman oh, yeah. so far. Like, no one's been bad. No one's been bad at all. Like, this offensive line play is improved, absolutely, 100% from last year. But I I really do think Trey Smith has been the most impressive offensive lineman so far, more than Orlando Brown, who we gave up a first-round pick for. More than Joe Tooney, who we pay $16 million a year. More than Creed Humphrey's second-round pick this year. More than Lucas, who's a third-round pick last year. The sixth-round pick out of Tennessee, absolutely. Total, you know, 100% verified stud. If I had to get a jersey of an offensive lineman, I never thought I'd really want to, but Trey Smith is making me want to. He is one player that I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to get a Trey Smith jersey and wear that around because I am loving him. Oh, he's just amazing. I want. I want. I want. I want a Quentin Nelson jersey personally. Former yeah. offensive lineman, speaking of course, but Trey Smith. He just what I love about Trey Smith more than anything is he's nasty, man. Oh my he God. he he goes out there, and it's not just that like he's dominating people. He's dominating people with authority. Like he, he's kicking your butt. He's throwing you into the dirt, and then he's letting you know that he threw you into the dirt. 
and it, oh. it it's just it's beautiful to watch. You know, just to just to quote our our good friend Kirk Stillwell, he is a rough ass. That dude is, oh, I just I I just can't stop talking about him. He's just he's just amazing. I I, I I'm overhyping him to be really honest, but good land, it's just so exciting to see that. Just uh, it's just amazing, just amazing. And and from from a roster standpoint, when you're a team that is paying a quarterback as much as we are, you have to be able to hit on your draft picks because you have to be able to get good play out of those dudes that you're not paying very much because you can't pay them very much because you are paying your quarterback so much. And credit to Brett Veach and his dudes in the front office. Like The last two drafts have been pretty good for this team. Like If you talk about Jerry last year, Willie last year, were both like really, really good picks for where they're picked. You know, Trey Smith this year. Creed Humphrey, people, if he would have gone the first round, nobody would have batted an eye. Nick Bolton, at the end of the second, same thing. If he would have gone the first round, people would have been like, all right. Like, those are, those are the types of picks that you need to have in order to sustain success when you're paying a quarterback as much as we are. 100%. Talking about hitting on stuff. Let's check on our little MVP dark horse race here. Mine's looking pretty good, and Tyler, my uh, my MVP's looking pretty darn good. He's t- he's second right now in yards. He has seven touchdowns, seventy three percent completion rating. He does have the three picks, but man, I'm looking good so far. You were you're not looking bad, but Chandler Jones took a little bit of a slowdown this week. From this monster week. And Sam Darnold doesn't look bad. I'll give you him. He looks really good. And it's going to be exciting to watch him tonight on primetime television. Because Carolina doesn't really get there very often. But I'm going to give the edge to myself at the moment. And pat myself on the back and say, Kyler's Dark Horse is looking really good. I mean, yeah. Kyler Murray looks like he could very well win the MVP. But he doesn't have the storyline. I mean, maybe the storyline of just being a midget playing quarterback. But he doesn't have the storyline that Sam Darnold has. And I'm telling you, I promise you, people care about the storylines. And it's not like Sam Darnold's been, you know, a slouch either. He's averaging, you know, 300 passing yards a game. He scored four touchdowns in two games. That's not bad. It's not MVP caliber. But, you know, a big part about it, too, is the wins. A big part about it too is the wins, and they're both two and zero. They're both two and zero, but we'll have to see. Chandler Jones, you're right; he slowed down, but guess what? He's still leading the league in sacks, still averaging yes. two and a half per game, which means he's on pace for like forty sacks. <laughs> yeah, on pace. So, oh my bro, which yeah. should be taken with a grain of salt, granted. But that's very fair. I don't think any of our MVP picks have looked stupid so far. No. I mean, I went out on a little bit more of a limb than you did. Well, but yeah. that That just means I'm more year, right if I get to be right. That's fair. But last year, I took on a big limb. And now my guy, who I picked last year, Cam Newton, is no longer on a team and looks like no longer going to play in the NFL. So last year I went on a limb, and you did go on a limb as well with Gardner Minshew, but he is still in the league. So, you know, that that does factor into last year's decision. For those of you listening that um, aren't very good at translating, allow me to translate. Casey was right and Zach was wrong. Moving on. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. All right, Casey. What was your surprise? Uh, we talked about the Chiefs. We've talked about next week's. We talked about our MVPs. What was your biggest surprise, other than the Kansas City Chiefs this week, that you're like, hmm, that surprised me? I am going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles, honestly. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, they played the they lost to the 49ers in week 2 but they played them really really close and the game was closer honestly than the score would dictate like they lost 17 to 11 
But over the course of that game, like you could honestly say the Eagles were the better team. And the 49ers are a team that a lot of people thought and probably do still think could make the Super Bowl. And just the fact that the Eagles through two weeks have one of the best defenses in the league so far. And that's playing two very, very good offenses, or at least historically with the Falcons and still right now with the 49ers. Their defense has played super well. They've only allowed 23 points through two weeks. And just like, they've they've really surprised me. I went into the year thinking the Eagles could possibly be one of the worst teams in the league. And right now, sitting at 1-1, playing two really good games, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat out, you know, the football team and the Giants and maybe even the Cowboys and win that division or possibly are up for one of those wild card spots in the playoffs. So for me, it, it's how good the Eagles have played so far this year. 100%. Mine is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they do this to you every year. They look really good at the beginning, and then they go downhill. But I will say Derek Carr has surprised me how he started this year. Leading the league in passing. He actually isn't making stupid decisions like he usually is. Last weekend against the Steelers, they went back and forth a little bit. Steelers had a chance to win. I don't know what they were really doing. They kind of just fumbled themselves. I, I don't really know what they're doing. But uh, Derek Carr has looked really good, and that's my biggest surprise. Uh, he's kind of showing Raiders fans, hey, I want to be your quarterback for a little while longer. Although I don't think they're going to do anything this year, they're my biggest surprise right now, just because uh, it's it, they just it just it's it's their car is just not that good in my opinion. Or just surprised me how good he's actually looking, and it kind of surprises me how much the media, like Good Morning Football, is loving. The Raiders and loving Darren Carr so much. That's kind of surprising me. Although they're my surprise right now. I don't love them. I don't think they're a really great team. They're surprising to me how well they're playing. Because the Raiders usually don't play like this. And the Raiders usually Raider at some point And they haven't this year. Which kind of has surprised me. An unfortunate surprise. And, you know, another... So, like, going along with that. The whole AFC West has been... Better. The Raiders have been better than I thought they were. The Chargers are who I thought they would kind of be. But both the Raiders and Broncos being 2-0 and at this point, and the Broncos have not played good teams, granted, but the Raiders have wins against the Bills and the Steelers, who were both playoff teams last year. I fully expect them to be 0-2 at this point. And, or sorry, the Ravens and the Steelers, who were both playoff teams last week, last year. I fully thought they would be 0-2 at this point. The Broncos, I did not think they would be good whatsoever. And for both of those teams to be undefeated at this point and the Chiefs to be tied for last place in the division, it's a very unfortunate surprise. Now, I do think, as they say, the cream rises, and by the end of the year, everyone will know that the Raiders were phonies. The Broncos didn't have a good enough offense to make the playoffs. And who knows with the Chargers, they'll probably be, you know, around 500 like they typically are. But, and of course, the Chiefs will be at the top of the division. But through through two weeks, I'm I'm very surprised with the Raiders and the Broncos. 100%. 100%. So, with that being said, it is our time for our picks of the week. In the segment we like to call Pick 6. Just for a little update for everyone. Just so uh, they'd like to know. And so I can rub it in Casey's faces a little bit. Um, The way we do this is each week you can listen to our last podcast to see who we picked. But for a lock, you get one point. And for a sleeper, you get two. So last week with the Cowboys, I got them winning. So right now... Uh, Casey got all his locks last week. I missed one of my locks with the Saints. But right now, the point totals are 4-3. So I won week two. So right now I'm 1-0. So that's pretty exciting. And last week, Casey graciously 
went first. So now I get to go first. Okay, so are you ready for another loss? I'm ready to go 6-0 this week. Just like last week, huh? Just like last week. All right, so... Almost. With, with my favorites, I I like them this week. I really do. Um, I First starting off with, I'm going to go with the, the boys of Dallas. Good old Cowboys. Uh, I think they're going to be really good this week. Um, they, I like the Cowboys a lot. They're playing on Monday Night Football against the, the Eagles that you just love to death now. Um, but I like them a lot. I think they're going to be a lock this week. Um, they're a four-point favorite, which I would, I would definitely go on that. Um, and then my second one is my boy out in the West in Arizona. Good old Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I have faith they're going to be the Jaguars pretty confidently in that one just because the Jaguars aren't really that great, in my opinion. But no, they're not. Is them. And then my final one, they're a touchdown and a half favorite. And then my final one is the good old Tennessee Titans playing the Colts. They're a five-point favorite. And without Carson Wentz playing for the Colts or if or what or whatever, uh, I think the Titans will get that one just because uh, – I think the controversy of having Carson Wentz in or out is going to affect them a lot just because um, when I feel like when people do that, they tend to get distracted of what's going on in the weeks and him being a game-time decision. It's kind of ridiculous, but those are my locks. So it's a 3-0. and Casey, where, who's, going, who's losing this week? Okay, just going to ignore that part um for for my first lock this week um i went against this team last week and it worked out well for me because i picked the browns to beat them last week and i'm gonna go with the panthers to beat them this week and i think i'm even more confident about that pick this week than i was last week um mostly because the texans are the texans and they suck and they're now starting a rookie quarterback who also sucks in his very first game against a pretty good Panthers defense, um, that sounds like a complete and total lock it in. Absolutely going to win to me. And then my second lock is going to be the Denver Broncos over the New York Jets. Broncos are at home. The Jets coming off a four-interception game against the Patriots' defense. Broncos' defense has looked even better than the Patriots' defense has this year. Teddy B can game-manage him to a win. Broncos have looked good. Jets have looked bad. Pretty simple right there. Going to lock it in. Broncos over the Jets. And we do have a rule here at Sports Daycare where we aren't allowed to pick the Chiefs. For, for favorites, in case any of you are wondering why um, none of us have picked the Chiefs in the last two weeks, but they are a lock each and every week. But my last lock is another team that I went against last week in the Detroit Lions. Give me the Ravens over the Lions. Again, not going to go into too much detail. One of the best teams in the league against one of the worst. Lions are at home, so who knows? Could be... Could be troublesome for the Ravens, but the Ravens are just a much better team. They will absolutely kill the Detroit Lions. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So my sleepers this week got some fun teams I'm excited about. I'm going to go against your Baltimore Ravens, and I'm going to say the Lions. I'm going to say Ooh. the Ravens are overconfident in themselves. They just came over a really emotional win over the Chiefs. And they're playing a Lions team who I don't think is terrible. They're not good, but they're not terrible. Jared Goff is not horrific. He can get you a win. Um, I think that that's going to be an upset, and I'm kind of excited about that one. Uh, I think the Ravens are going to be thinking they're hot stuff, beating the best team in the league, thinking they're the best team in the league. And then I think the Lions kind of shut them up and kind of shut the world up and shut the league up and realize – 
you know, what happened last week was a last week thing, and it's not going to happen every week, and how good they are. Uh, my next one uh, is the football team. They're a touchdown and a half underdog. Um, I like the football team, personally. Uh, they're playing the Buffalo Bills this week. I like them. Uh, I think their defensive line's the best in the league, arguably one of the best in the league. Uh, I believe in Ron Rivera. I like their weapons. Uh, I'm going to go with the football team as one of my sleepers. And then my next one, I think I'm going to steal this one from you just because you. I know you're, you're excited about this, this quarterback situation. I'm going to go to the Bears over the Browns. Uh, touchdown, touchdown underdog. Uh, I kind of like it just with Justin Fields starting. I think it's going to be interesting. I don't think the Browns will really know what's going to happen with Justin Fields. I think Matt Nagy, or I hope Matt Nagy, I like Matt Nagy, former chief. Uh, I think you should open up his playbook a little bit and kind of, and I think, it was, I don't know who was talking about it on a sports radio or a sports TV show, but they're like, oh, Matt Nagy has a new toy to play with. And since he's such a good play caller, like everyone likes to say, then let's see how it is with good old Justin Fields, who I know is one of your favorite quarterbacks this week, or this year, coming out of the draft, KC Depew. So that is my sleepers, Casey. who are your sleepers that are going to continue to sleep this week. I see what you did there. Um, I actually you. do like um, that last sleeper you had there. Um thought that was a solid pick. Uh, for me, my first sleeper that I'm going to choose is the Cincinnati Bengals over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, in Pittsburgh, uh, they're three-point favorites over the Bengals. I, even though the Bengals lost to the Bears last week, I still liked what I saw from the Bengals and hated what I saw from the Steelers. Um, Steelers lost to the Raiders last week, and... I just I have faith in the Bengals. I think their defense is underrated. I think their offense can be good, even with a subpar offensive line. Give me Bengals over the Steelers. And then my next my next underdog, I'm gonna go against you, and I'm gonna say Eagles over the Cowboys. Eagles yeah. are four point underdogs against the Dallas Cowboys. And like I said, I just I like what I've seen from this team. The Cowboys defense is still pretty bad. Not as bad as last year, granted, but they're still pretty bad of defense. I think the Eagles come out with a win. And then my last one, even though they have a backup quarterback playing this week, I still love the team overall. And it's the Dolphins over the Vegas Raiders. Vegas is four points over the Dolphins. Dolphins are four-point underdogs. I still, I just love the team. Jacoby Brissett, I don't think, is that much of a downgrade from Tua, if at all, at this point. So, I mean, I don't think that team will skip a beat. Still, I think, arguably, one of the best teams in the league going out on the limb there. Uh, I like the Dolphins. like them a lot. Give me the Dolphins over the Raiders. That being said, pick six are is official. I'd uh, run through it one more time. Casey's locks are the Panthers, Broncos, and Ravens. And then mine are the Cowboys, Cardinals, and Titans. The sleepers for Mr. DePew are Bengals, Eagles, Dolphins. And then his my sleepers are the football team, the Lions, and the Bears. So last week, KC Depew, he asked me a question. He asked me if I would rather have Jamal Charles never get hurt or Eric Berry never get injured or anything like that. And so it got me thinking this week, what well, is a question? That is a very good question. And I want to have a question for KC. I want to challenge him a little bit. So, Casey. I'm ready. In the Super Bowl this year, everyone says the offensive line was bad. So, let's just say, would you rather take a better offensive line last year in the Super Bowl or D. Ford not lining up offsides? 
That's interesting. And and the reason that's interesting is because I think both scenarios lead us to winning a Super Bowl. Absolutely. But for me, I think I'm going to have to go with the better offensive line in last year's Super Bowl. Just because I know for sure that if we had that better offensive line, we would have won the Super Bowl. And we didn't even see us in the Super Bowl that we missed out on because of D Ford. And who knows, that Rams offense that year was stupid good. Like, that, oh, that was such a good offense that year. And that was the year that our defense was terrible. So who knows, maybe they would have put up 50 points. We lost to them earlier that year um, that we did the Rams. Um, I still think we would have won the Super Bowl if we would have made it. But I, I think give me the better offensive line. And even as good as it would say to say that Patrick Mahomes went to three straight Super Bowls in his first three years of starting, I think it would be even better if we had the offensive line last year, which in theory would have led to a win. And being able to say that he beat Tom Brady, it's just too good to pass up for me. Very interesting. See, I would say D4 personally, because I wanted the receivables. And with the three Super Bowls, I think uh, we would have two at least. So him losing to Tom wouldn't be that as big of a deal. To people, since Patrick would have two, Tom would have seven going into this year, which Patrick could have three this year. So then he's on track for a lot more than Tom. He has a better career outlook, and him going to three Super Bowls his first three years is not unheard of, but pretty damn near unheard of. It's crazy. And I think people would put respect on Patrick Mahomes' name. I think people hold it against him that he's lost to Tom so much now. So I feel like if he would have beat Tom in the AFC Championship game and then lost to him in the Super Bowl, it would have been more even. Because I don't think that Rams defense... It would be a light show in the Super Bowl. And I think Bob Sutton was going to go regardless. And it would have... I think... Thinking of it, though, I think you, we would have paid D Ford and we wouldn't have paid Frank Clark. So D Ford would have Frank Clark's money. So if you, they're kind of even in that aspect. We still would have got everyone else, in my opinion, because Bob Sutton was going to go. Uh, so, yeah, I would say D Ford personally. That would be the answer to my own question. But I like your answer. I, uh, You are right. I, I, I don't know. There's just something about it. Patch Mahomes' three, first three years starting. Three Super Bowls. That just sounds crazy. I just love that. For me, for me, the the biggest factor was that if Patrick never gets the opportunity to play Tom again, aside from Patty getting eight Super Bowls because Tom has seven, I feel like people would still probably just always say that Tom Brady is the better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. No matter how many records Patty breaks or until he wins eight Super Bowls, which is extremely unlikely. Just being able to say that he beat Tom Brady was would be big for me. Yeah, I mean either honestly that they're about even. Like you know. If, if Chiefs question. fans if, if as Chiefs fans if you think about it, we're gonna win that Super Bowl when we play the Rams. But if we had a better offensive line, we would have won that Super Bowl too. So back to back would back to back meant something. But well, I mean back to back I guess either way. But, you know, I don't know. I, 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 either either way, we'd be we'd be two and one in Super Bowls. I would have rather have the win against Tom Brady than not going to the Super Bowl against the Rams than the win against Jared Goff, but still losing to Tom Brady. That, that's just what it is for me. Yeah, that's fair. That is very fair. So with that being said. That has concluded our Sports Daycare podcast going into week three, ending week two on a high note. Tonight we got the uh, the Houston Texans and Carolina Panthers on primetime television. I think everyone needs to watch uh, Christian McCaffrey as they can because we don't really have a talent like him in the league come wrong too often. So eyes, eyes, glued, to, eyes glued to the TV. 
So with that being said, I am Mr. Zachary Robinson signing off. And Casey, peace out.